Hi, and welcome to the Food Navigator podcast, your deep dive into the trends shaping the food and beverage space. I'm Food Navigator journalist Oliver Morrison. In this episode, I'm looking at the opportunity for the food industry presented by older consumers. Now, had we the budget, playing in the background now might be someone whistling the classic ageing-related Beatles song released back in 1967, when I'm 64. You probably know the tune, but the lyrics seem strange today. That's because 64 seems no age. Older consumers are a growing cohort. For the first time in history, across the globe, people aged over 65 now outnumber children under five. By the middle of this century, there will be more than twice as many. Here in Europe, the population of over 65s is expected to reach almost 150 million by 2050. All the while, birth rates here in the West, for a host of reasons, are falling. That said, new product launches specifically aimed at older consumers are few and far between. According to market researcher Mintel, just 0.0005% of new product launches in the food and beverage and health and hygiene space directly targeted the over-55s last year. And most of these were in Asia. Europe accounted for only 17% and were most commonly used in healthcare supplements and nutritional drinks. What's going on? Why is the industry ignoring what's potentially a hugely lucrative market? How might food products and ingredients help meet the specific nutritional requirements of older consumers and help them stay healthier for longer? What can we learn from those diets, like the med diet, the Japanese washoku diet, generally associated with high life expectancy and improved quality of life? First off, older consumers are not one identical group. Here's Sarah Harper, Claw Professor of Gerontology at the University of Oxford and Director of the Oxford Institute of Population Ageing. So I think, I think we have to sort of basically clarify a few things, and that is, you talked about the over 55s. Um, well, one doesn't often talk about the under 55s. So there is this general view that everyone over a certain age is very homogeneous, and in fact there is huge heterogeneity in our population. And we can say probably that it isn't until we reach very old age that we tend to have a different dietary requirement. So in the same way that children have specific dietary requirements, we now understand that people in very old age may well have different dietary requirements. So one way you can look at it is to say, why would you want to target older adults? Um, and particularly the idea of targeting an over 55-year-old, um, who, someone who's 55, someone who is 65, someone who is 85, someone who is 100, are very, very different people. Um, they, not only that, but obviously we have a huge difference between socioeconomic group. We have huge differences between men and women. We have the ethnic minorities who have very different types of diet. So I don't think it's that easy to actually target a specific broad band like potentially 45 to 50 years of life and say that the food industry should be specifically targeting them. It's also the case that from a marketing and advertising perspective, older people don't like identifying as such. All the evidence is that in cases where people have tended to target older adults, 
Uh, older adults don't like identifying as older adults. So we know in the housing market, for example, if you want to get people into retirement homes at 70, you say these homes are for the over 50s and you end up with people over 70. But they've only gone in because they know actually there's going to be lots of younger people uh, there. So I, I think from a sale point of view, it's actually quite difficult um, to produce food that would target this demographic. Now, clearly, there are some very frail older adults. The majority of those would be in their 80s and 90s who may well need specific diets. But I think it's far better that we have a public health messages for all ages and that we put emphasis on those with lower incomes getting healthier diets I think that is where we could actually make a difference. In agreement is Alex Robery, Consumer Insight Director at another market researcher, Cantar. He makes the point that neither do older consumers necessarily want to be directly targeted by the food industry. Many want to carry on buying the, the same products they've always done. Maybe these are healthy, maybe they're not. Cantar data, for example, show fibre and protein volume of take-home food and drink purchases has come down in the last five years across all age groups. Interestingly, retired households purchase more fruit and veg, but they also buy more wine, spirits and cakes. Cantar also advises that if a product wants to be successful, it needs to have as high a penetration in the market as possible by attracting as many buyers as possible. So, if you're targeting for health, aim to be all-encompassing. When it, when it comes to kind of um, products specifically targeting uh, old age groups, um, generally we see that if you're going to be a successful product, a successful brand, you ideally want to be um, opening yourself up to the widest consumer base possible. Um, so it doesn't immediately surprise me that brands um, may not be solely focusing on um, a specific old age group, um, <clears throat> you know, unless they're kind of very specific sort of um, dentures or something like that. Then obviously that's that's going to be more for an old specific group. Whereas, um, as I say, I think if, if, if you want to be successful, uh, really you need to be opening yourself up to the widest audience possible. Many experts do envisage advantages for companies if they directly target older people with healthy ageing products. There are concerns in the West that while life expectancy is increasing, we might not be living longer, just taking longer to die. Food and diet, therefore, may be able to play an important role in helping make old age a more pleasurable and active experience. Professor Sarah Harper admits the sheer numbers mean older consumers will become a more valuable group. I think things are changing. Um, although I think traditionally we have had uh, very much a sort of individual negative approach, particularly among women, about growing older. Uh, and so, for example, we know if you want to get to the 70-year-olds, you say this product is for the over 50s. But I think things are changing, and I think they're particularly changing among women as you know, we have a huge push around the menopause at the moment. And I think women are much more open about accepting the menopause, about the way it changes their lives, about talking about it. And given that midlife health is so important for a healthy older age, there may be an opportunity to actually target midlife men and women uh, and say, these are the foods that you should specifically be eating and I think women in particular, because of the menopause and knowing that, you know, we have to increase 
our calcium intake. We have to do more exercise that fresh fruit and vegetables and vitamins are, are very good for us. There may be an opportunity for the food industry to address that segment of the population and maybe specifically men who I don't think have quite come to terms with the fact that they obviously go through midlife transitions um, with the idea that that would then ease individuals into a healthy older age. So the other thing one could therefore say is that um, given that women in midlife in particular, maybe less so men, but particularly women nowadays are much more attuned to the idea of certain products for midlife transitions like the menopause, Going forward, this cohort may well accept early old age projects. Yeah. So whereas in the past there's been a little bit of a resistance, maybe we're becoming much more open about talking about aging. And um, so you have the post-menopause group, women who are in their 60s and 70s, who may feel more accepting to goods that are specifically for them. And I, I mean, for example, definitely in the vitamin industry and in the cosmetic industry, this whole idea that you're in your 60s and 70s, but here's some fantastic products, you know, you're still beautiful, you can still be fit and active. And maybe the food industry could come in um, along a similar way. And yes, we can learn from those aforementioned diets linked to good health and longevity. If we look at the national level, we know that the longest lived people on the planet at a population level are Japanese, mm -hmm. French and Spanish women. English women not only live quite a uh, lot less on average than Japanese women, we also live less than French women. And that's really interesting. Why should the channel dictate that my national life expectancy is probably five or six years less than if I was a French woman? But if you look at the data, it isn't the difference between France and England. It's actually the difference between northern France and England and the Mediterranean. And both the Spanish and the French long-lived women tend to be living longer because of the Mediterranean diet. And I think we now understand that fresh fruit and vegetables, low levels of dairy, low levels of meat, higher levels of fish, uh, a moderate amount of alcohol, um, in theory, no smoking, lots of exercise, etc., will promote at the population level a longer-lived population. And the problem with many people living in England and apparently in northern France is that we tend to consume a lot of poor, nutritious food. And that is across our life course. And that's why when we go into old age, we do have quite a difference between, which is based on education, income, affluence, etc. Um, life expectancy in most high-income countries was increasing till about 2015, 2016. And then particularly in the US and in the UK, it stalled or even began to fall. And there was a lot of research looking at that. And there are a variety of hypotheses, but I think probably something that many people are now accepting is it is the growing inequality in those two countries. So much so that if you look at the life expectancy of our lower income groups, uh, men are actually stalling and women are actually falling. If we look at the life expectancy of our more affluent groups, both men and women are still increasing. But the, the burden at the population level of carrying a low-income population which, whose life expectancy is stalling or falling is such that at the demographic level, it's actually altering the national life expectancy figures. And that's why it's really, really important that we put emphasis on helping low-income 
poorer people to be able to increase not only their life expectancy, but their healthy life expectancy. And that has to be tackled by public health measures around things like diet and exercise. And that means I think a lot of emphasis should be put on really improving the opportunities for a healthy diet among the poorer section of our population. Spicy foods can also provide us with health benefits as we age. Spice and heat can make us feel fuller for longer. It may even alleviate inflammation and muscle pain. So spice up your MPD. I think one of the one of the interesting things um, about getting older is that we do know that our senses tend to dim. Um, and so there's been a lot of research around, obviously, our eyesight, um, our, our hearing. But I think our sense of taste and sense of smell has been relatively neglected. And yet to lose the pleasure uh, of eating um, really enjoyable, delicious food, which for many older people, particularly when they get into their 80s, does start to dim. I think that would be something that would bring a lot of pleasure uh, to, to people. We, you know, I, I know that there has been this real push against chemicals enhancing the taste of food. But there are many, many other ways that you can naturally enhance the taste of food. And I think food that was particularly tasty um, and maybe a younger person would say, oh, this is overflavored," whereas someone in their 80s might actually find delicious because their senses are slightly dimmed. I think that's an area where we need more research and maybe more action. Uh, one of the problems is particularly things like care homes, of course, we've tended to give old people food that won't upset them. So we tend to give food that isn't too spicy, for example. Um, we don't want to use chili with an older person because it might upset them. And yet today's older people, obviously, have probably grown up, not only from ethnic minority communities, but actually from the general population in this country. I mean, we have had sort of oriental spicy type food coming into our society from probably about the 1980s. So I think, you know, this idea that older people can't take spicy, well flavoured food because it might upset them. I think we need far more research looking at that. And I think one of the complaints that older adults sometimes have is it, it just doesn't taste like it used to. And I think that's because their sense of taste has declined. We know that happens. In agreement is Bridget Benelam, Nutrition Communications Manager at the British Nutritional Foundation. I think it is really important that people enjoy their food. And of course, that's important at every age. Um, but as you get older, it can be that your um, your sense of taste, your sense of smell, your appetite can change. And so it's particularly important that people can find their food enjoyable and motivated to eat well. Um, and especially perhaps for people who are at the at the later spectrum of older um, people who may be suffering from health problems who may have other challenges, maybe loneliness, all sorts of things can affect us as we get older. Um, and so making sure that healthy eating shouldn't just be about a chore and having boring foods. It should be enjoyable and pleasurable and something that you do with friends and family and so forth. And so making sure we enjoy what we eat as well as just making it about health, I think is really important. Bridget gives us a nutritionist perspective on what are the most pressing requirements of older consumers. She agrees there are nutritional gaps, say, for fibre, protein and vitamin D, that the food industry could be plugging. And there are some particular ingredients and uh, nutrients that can be particularly important for older adults. So, for example, um, fibre 
so fiber is really important most of us don't get enough um, and it, it, it is something that over time can reduce our risk of some types of cancer of type 2 diabetes obesity so fiber in the diet is really important um, and including higher fiber products is something that people can do to have a healthy diet and and looking at ways to include more fiber in products is something that people in the food industry could do if that works for their category i guess from an industry point of view uh, uh, in in some situations you may be thinking more about fiber as an ingredient isolated fibers uh, the difficulty is we, we don't know quite as much about those kinds of fiber um, and the health benefits that they can have as we do to the fibers that we find in whole foods. But nonetheless, those fibers do make a contribution to our fiber intake um, and having more higher fiber foods available. And maybe, you know, the, in a way that people find easy and convenient and tasty is one way that we can try and get our fiber intakes up because they really haven't increased in recent years. Um, I think everybody probably knows that fiber is a good thing, but it's not something that we're achieving at the moment. Um, bone health is also a key consideration in healthy aging. We know that lots of us don't get enough vitamin D, and particularly as we get older, that if we're not getting enough calcium and, uh, calcium and vitamin D, that that can have an impact on our bone density. Um, our bone density declines anyway as we age, um, and of course, if we're not getting enough of the nutrients we need for healthy bones, then that's only going to make that work. Uh, something else that happens as we age is that we lose muscle. Um, and that just seems to be an, an inevitable part of aging. And particularly as we get older, um, perhaps more towards the sort of 70s and 80s, it's, it's very important that we have enough protein. And also, not just that we have a good dose of protein during the day, but that ideally that uh, protein should be spread across the day. So perhaps a typical, perhaps traditional British diet might be that you would have um, a sort of main meal with a large amount of protein, say a sort of meat and two veg type meal, for example, um, but that you might not necessarily have much protein in your other meals, in, in your breakfast or in your smaller meals. Um, but what does seem to be better for preserving your muscle mass and for keeping your muscles stronger and healthier as you age is to have protein throughout the day. So encouraging people to include protein at breakfast and snacks, for example, to make sure you're getting that protein intake across the day is potentially something that could help that process of making sure you try and keep your muscles healthy. Because um, if you do lose that functionality, that can really contribute to you to your quality of life. So if you're not able to move as well, if you're not confident, if you don't feel strong, then that is something that can really have an impact on people, especially in later life. One company that spots huge potential in the over 55s category is ingredient supplier Benio. It offers a couple of solutions. The first is a slow release sugar called Palatinos, derived from sugar beet. This is an ideal carbohydrate, it believes, for mature consumers as it's designed to release glucose more slowly to support blood glucose management and therefore limit the risk of age-related diabetes. Benio is also promoting digestive health. It claims its prebiotic chicory root fibres, oligofructose and inulin play a role in selectively promoting the growth of good bacteria, which supports a person's inner defence system. Again, that becomes more important the older we get. The company adds its slow-release sugar and digestive health products can easily fit into people's daily routines, which say strict med and keto diets can't, and be applied in products such as baked goods, breakfast cereals and cereal bars, sugar and chocolate, 
dairy products and meal replacements. The healthy ageing market is ripe for the picking, says Benio Vice President of Regulatory Affairs and Nutrition Communication, Anka Sentko. These topics uh, on digestive health, on blood sugar management, uh, they are indeed top of uh, of mind uh, of consumers in that age group and they are uh, ready to make choices. Uh, they are ready to look for answers when it comes to food choice uh, on a daily basis. And they are functional ingredients uh, that help to develop products that uh, that you like, yeah, products that are convenient, products that fit into your life, um, uh, and that help you uh, in your daily life and help you with your enjoyment as well. Um, seeing the challenges, uh, there is a, a awareness on the consumer say, side that it is now that you need to make a change. It is now that you need to think about a more healthy nutrition. Maybe you did it wrong, more or less, for the last 60 years. Uh, and and now uh, there is a big willingness. For, uh, this is also what consumer research is showing, uh, that you are ready to uh, to make a change, but not in a drastical way. Anchor agrees that with so many older consumers out there, the stigma of the category is receding. You see more and more older people appearing in advertisements. So I already see now uh, that there is a change um, and uh, it's beginning. So I, I see it with pleasure that uh, you see more older people, uh, people with gray hair um, uh, appearing uh, in public in order to uh, make the point that, yeah, I'm here, I'm a consumer, I want to be pleased by you, industry. So, and that starts with, yeah, with, yeah, it's eating on one hand side, but yeah, if you think about uh, dresses and uh, what you see there, uh, I think the chain, uh, the, the time that uh, that only the uh, the young people um, are appearing in the media. This is gone, yeah. And therefore, I think it's it's something uh, we are in this intermediate phase, uh, and this is where uh, the population development also is. Uh, but this group of people that are older is constantly growing, uh, and the the group of people that are younger uh, is getting smaller so in that way uh, it's about addressing the audience someone else making a play in this sector is billionaire investor jim mellon you may have heard of him as the author of moo's law which predicts alternative proteins including cultivated meat and seafood will bring seismic change to the global food industry he's also investing a lot in anti-aging technology he is co-founder and chairman of the life extension company, Juvenescence. Its first product, launched so far in the US and which is expected to come to Europe next year, is Metabolic Switch, a ketone drink. Ketone drinks have been particularly embraced by the world of sport. 
Pro cyclists, for example, say they can boost performance, endurance and recovery. But ketones can dramatically help us with the challenges of ageing, claims Mellon. As we get older, our metabolism can slow ketones can be the boost it needs there have been you know dozens of papers scientific papers peer-reviewed papers that indicate that ketones do have a very positive effect on uh for instance heart failure uh and also on um on uh you know the dementia basically and although we cannot and won't make scientific claims until they've been uh, you know, directly linked to our product, we intend to do trials so that we can make such claims. And also to develop, and in fact, we will develop, are developing a product which is uh, related to Metabolic Switch, but is uh, specifically designed for heart failure. Heart failure is a very difficult disease. There's not very much that one can do about it. And, but there's absolutely no doubt that this uh, the ketones are a key to addressing it in a very, very powerful way. We know that mild hormesis, which is part of the fasting process, which is one element of uh, ketogenic diet, uh, has a positive impact on longevity. You know, this, this has been well established that, you know, in smaller mammals, if you go on a fasting regime or even a starvation regime, they live longer than uh, mammals are allowed to eat whatever they want. And the same is true in human beings. There's no doubt that if, you know, we, you and me, eat uh, 25% less than we currently eat, we'll probably live a longer, probably live a longer life than the average. Because the, uh, the, the, the broad studies indicate that people who do uh, eat less live longer. But, you know, it's a hard thing for human beings to do, and especially in a world of abundance and fast food and, you know, and crap food, frankly speaking, that is the case. And so we are um, trying to find a way to help people who understand that ketones are important uh, as a way of inducing fasting, uh, or mimetic of fasting at least, without having to go through the the difficulties of actually, you know, doing a ketogenic diet. And, and this is the broad plan for metabolic switch. But it's also a way of educating uh, the public that actually something can be done about longevity. You know, you're not, you're not just predestined to die and die at a specific time and, you know, die in a horrible way, that there are ways that are emerging in which you can influence both your end-of-life robustness and health and also uh potentially your actual lifespan and that that is the first element of this but there's going to be plenty of others that come behind it uh, from the consumer point of view but ultimately the the reason that you and i might live to 120 or 130 or 140 is to do with pharmacology therapeutics uh and in particular gene therapy and that's the main focus of juvenescence so, you, you know, if we, if it has been estimated, and I, I can't remember off the top of my head who by, but it's been estimated that if we are on a fasting diet for our whole adult life from 30 years onwards, we might live another 5% compared to other people, which is not a very long time, but it might feel like a long time if you're on a 
quasi-starvation diet forever. So we're trying to find ways in which people can make it easier to fast. As I mentioned, you may have heard of Mellon from his investments in cellular agriculture. Does he therefore see synergies between alternative proteins, cell-based meat, and the healthy aging market? We are looking at uh, a variety of ways of incorporating metabolic switch into the food industry. There's an obvious synergy between lab-grown foods uh, and products like Metabolic Switch. So the incorporation of something like Metabolic Switch into, uh, let's say, a a dairy-identical milk or yogurt or cheese product. That's an obvious thing. Precision fermented uh, dairy product stuff is already on the market in the US. It's already been approved by the FDA. A million million consumers uh, have already tried it. Starbucks have done a deal with... uh, perfect day so that the way in casine uh, product they've got will be on sale in the Starbucks uh, as an alternative to, you know, what people regard as regular dairy, although this is regular dairy um, uh, and as an alternative to almond milk and to all the other kind of plant-based milks that have done so well in the last uh, 10 years or so. So just imagine that, you know, in your, um, Starbucks uh, latte made with perfect day products. I mean, this is just an imagination. This is totally hypothesis and there's no discussions around this, Mm -hmm. that there was metabolic switch was in there. Uh, And so you were not just getting your latte, but you were also getting a dose of, uh, of ketones. That's in my imagination. There's been no discussion about that, but you know, since you're asking me, I'd say that that would be, a great driver of consumer acceptance, basically, and of uh, proliferation of metabolic switch. Going back to the discussion of how to market products for older people, Mellon does imply the industry is missing a trick here. Metabolic switch, for example, is set to be promoted by yet-to-be-chosen social media influencers in the US who are likely to be aged in their 50s. Look, let's, let's face it, people in their 50s and 60s have more money than other cohorts in society they have a more vested interest in healthy lifespan and they are not properly uh, addressed by social media or by uh, product uh, you know uh, companies that are making products so this is perfect for us clearly people who are somewhat older and have more economic spending power are the ones that make most positive sense for us and in, in in uh in our marketing for metabolic switch it's as simple as that and i i think you'll find that that is the key demographic along with elite athletes you know sports fanatics such as yourself who already understand the benefits of ketosis so to conclude shifting demographics are rapidly turning traditional attitudes towards aging on their head is now the time for food and beverage brands to innovate to address the specific needs of this rapidly expanding and generally affluent consumer group. The results will certainly be exciting to see. Stay healthy, everybody, and join us next time. <laughs>